Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. Well, we've a new voice on the programme today as we welcome a first-time visitor to the island and something not so new from the Manx Radio archives as we recall how the island's churches played their part in the Tinwald Millennium Celebrations of 1979. But let's start with some music that combines both old and new, a recent recording of a traditional hymn. This is the Academy Singers' And It Is Well With My Soul. singers and it is well with my soul which is quite an appropriate introduction to my guest today reverend dr andrew walker is as we'll hear interested in wellness in helping people to ask those big questions what do i really want and what does god want for me but uniquely he recommends using the wisdom of a 16th century saint to find the answers to these deep questions 
let's meet Reverend Dr. Andrew Walker, who made a flying visit, literally, to the island yesterday as the guest speaker leading a morning session for the Island Spirituality Network. He arrived late on Friday night and needed to return to London yesterday afternoon, so we actually recorded this conversation over breakfast. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the programme this morning Reverend Dr Andrew Walker. He's the parish priest of the Anglican Church of St Mary Bourne Street in London, a very fashionable area of Sloane Square. It's a church that, amongst many, was a great favourite of Sir John Betjeman. Andrew is the founder and director of the London Centre for Spirituality, which has recently been renamed as a Centre for Spiritual Direction. He is a psychosynthesis counsellor and director of the London-based Ignatian Spirituality course. Andrew, good morning. Welcome. Thank you for making time in a busy life to be with us. And it is a busy life, isn't it? Well, it's lovely to be on the island and uh, great to be with you all. I've mentioned lots of things with the word spirituality in it. Would I be right in saying that this is a a very high priority for you? Yes, and I think uh, I was lucky enough to be brought up by parents who had faith. They were very influenced by St Francis and were both tertiary Franciscans. And one never particularly wants to follow in one's parents' footsteps, so I was never keen on St Francis for a long time. But certainly that that sense of belief and faith has been with me from the earliest days. And I was the youngest of four boys, and we were all given taken to church and given the choice to stop when we reached 10. And I wanted to be different, and my brothers had all elected to stop going to church, and I decided to stay. So I, I think uh, spirituality has always been important, but also in its religious expression as well. You said that your parents were tertiary Franciscans. Now, what, what does that mean? In the Anglican Church, there's a, a lay order of Franciscans. It's called the Third Order, a rule of life based on the life of St Francis for lay people. Did you feel that there was something different in the, in the values in the house in, in any way, even just kind of subconsciously? Yes, I mean, I think some of it was annoying because St Francis was very much about holy poverty and uh, not something I was particularly keen on growing up. Andrew, I love the idea of you staying on going to church because your brothers didn't. But how did it lead to ordination? What made you realise that that God had a special calling for you? Well, I went to university in Durham and uh, the college I was at was right by the cathedral. And I got into the habit of going to choral evensong every day. And that gentle being touched by the spirit through music, I think, probably, and dignified worship. So there's something about rhythm and discipline, but also beauty that drew me in, I think. And then when I left university, I I was working in a restaurant in York, and uh, just the sort of idea came up, and I was sort of horrified by it, and I used to pray every night that God wouldn't call me to the priesthood. But eventually he did, and I had to give in. Beauty, rhythm, peace... It's unsurprising that the church of which you are now parish priest is what we would describe as a high church and ceremony, reverence and attention to detail is very much part of your worship. All the traditional musical influences are there and the liturgy uses Book of Common Prayer. Does that really speak to your soul? It does now. I mean, it wasn't part of what I was used to in previous aspects of my ministry and other parishes I've been in. We have an extraordinarily good choir and the music is sensational, but it serves the worship of God, so it's not a concert. The building itself is very beautiful with a lot of very lovely objects in it and we try for a a dignified liturgy that kind of serves God. So ideally everything kind of flows and meshes together to be one. Do you find that this gives you a, a much wider parish because people will come to St Mary's Bourne Street because of the style of worship? 
Yes, very much so. So we have a gathered community. We have a very, very small parish. I think it's only about eight streets. And probably three of my congregation come from the parish. On a Sunday, I guess we get about 90. So everyone else is traveling in. I say it's because we're so peculiar, but some might say special. Let's get back to spirituality. What drew you into such a a deep involvement in spirituality? Well, as I say, there was the Franciscan influence, which I largely reacted against. There was a Benedictine, which I allowed allowed to move me. But then I I had a spiritual director when I was at university. He was very influenced by St Ignatius Loyola and the spiritual exercises. And that's really about finding God in all things. So spirituality isn't a compartment of life and religion shouldn't be a compartment of life. It's how do you find God in the everyday and the mess of human experience. And I think it was working with him, and he was my director for 10 years, that I I just came to recognise that the Holy Spirit was in everything, really, even the mistakes I made and the mess I made of my life at various points. I mean, God never creates mess, but God always enters into it once it's been made and seeks to find some hope in it or express some love in it. So I think where we can be open to the reality of God in every aspect of life, good and bad, then I think it can lead to what we might call psycho-spiritual healthiness or wholeness. Which brings me to this word, that you are a psychosynthesis counsellor. What does that mean, Andrew? Well, I trained it in in the early 90s, uh, after I'd ordained. I'd, I'd made a sort of mess of a couple of pastoral encounters, and I just felt I needed more psychological awareness. So I went off for a sort of introductory training and of course I realised that I needed as much (laughs) help personally as my skills did with other people. So it was a remarkable journey of three or four years of of training. I don't practice now as a psychosynthesis counsellor. I had to to get my qualification but I don't see my calling as one-to-one psychotherapeutic work. But it's a, a branch of psychology called the transpersonal psychology which believes in the existence of the spiritual and works with it. And the the founder of it, uh, Asagioli, had the line, there is many people who need therapy because they only feel normal as those who need therapy because they don't feel normal. In other words, so much of human journey is trying to realise our potential and then calls us into making a greater contribution or greater happiness and wholeness. So who would be helped by spending time with a psychosynthesis counsellor? Would it be people in positions of of leadership in any walk of life, or particularly in church? I think just in general, it's it's not a Christian discipline. It believes in the spiritual, but it isn't named as a Christian one. I mean, I think everyone needs help on the way, either because of going through a dark time or because they feel stuck and they're not realising fully there's some sense of restlessness and they don't quite know what they're being called to. So let's go back now to the Centre for Spiritual Direction, as the the organisation is now called, that that you founded. What is the purpose of that? The Bishop of London at the time, Bishop Richard, uh, so this was in about 1999-2000, he had a lot of people coming to him and saying, I'm spiritual but not religious. And he was sort of saying, well, what's going on here and what do we need to, what does the church need to listen to? So he wanted a centre that would not be a centre of spirituality, because he reckoned all the churches should be that, but a centre for spirituality to help churches, individuals, groups, Christians, non-Christians realise something more about spirituality. And there probably was a movement where spirituality could be seen as a sort of self-improvement movement to make me feel better and have better prayer experiences of God. And of course, an authentic spirituality is is outward focus and, and inviting people in one writer's words, to become whom they contemplate, to to become more Christ-like and therefore more active in the world, bringing peace and healing where one can. 
So does the centre equip people to go out then and give spiritual direction to, uh, to others? We always had um, spiritual direction training programmes and it's certainly, that's its major focus now. So it's now more, much more is online than uh, in person. Uh, and it's much more focused in spiritual direction training, helping people find a spiritual director and offering supervision. The Ignatian Spirituality Course. Now, you, you said that, that that was influenced by St Ignatius, but, but what actually is it and, and how does it benefit people? St Ignatius in his life, and so we're talking 16th, 17th century, came to realise that the Holy Spirit moved in people in ways that had patterns, so both in his own experience and with his close followers and friends. He recognised that there was an identifiable path that could lead one to be honest before God and to explore what God's call to us all individually might be. And so he kind of wrote down some guidelines to say, well, at this point, this is likely to be a help and that's likely to be a hindrance. And so the Ignatian Spirituality Course trains people to be spiritual directors, but also to work with the Ignatian tradition. Ignatius is interested in the whole person, psychology as well as spirituality, the body as well as the mind, as well as the spirit. And so it works with all of those things to try and help person explore their faith. So it's an honest approach. But obviously people need particular training because it's not just about helping people improve their prayer life, it's helping them discern what God wants from in their world, in their workplace, in their relationships, in the light and in the dark. Father Andrew Walker, thank you very much indeed for being on the island, albeit so briefly, and for talking to us this morning. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Spirit yield. You alone are my heart's. Deep.
Gareth Moore singing and playing a hymn based on Psalm 42, seeking God's presence in our life. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Gareth singing all the voice parts and accompanying himself on piano. And before that, I was talking with Reverend Dr. Andrew Walker. And if you'd like to find out more about Ignatian spirituality, there are trained guides here on the island who'd be more than happy to help. Probably the easiest way to make contact would be to call our retreat house in Peel, Tide of A, House of Life. The phone number is 609-299, 609-299. Or you can make contact via their website, which is a very simple address, retreathouse.im, retreathouse, all lowercase and all one word, dot im. At 12 noon today here on Manx Radio, Phil Gorn will be using his perspective programme to look back on how the island marked Millennium Year 1979. It was a year packed with events to celebrate a thousand years of Tinwald. You may well have been involved in planning or taking part yourself. And as we're about to hear, the island's churches played their part too. The churches decided to mark Millennium Year in a very special way, with the week-long Mission to Man centred on the Villa Marina at the end of March. A team of visiting churchmen and women toured the island's churches and schools, and local church members undertook to visit every home on the island with literature. By the end of the week of the mission, many thousands of people had made at least one pilgrimage to the Villa Marina services. Here's an extract from the service on the last night. With a packed Villa Marina, Alive to God, the theme of the mission, and Robert Quayle, the clerk of Tinwald. I don't know whether any of you have been noticing around the island some little signposts appearing with the inscription Millennium Way on them. I'm rather footsore today because yesterday I walked the first 14 miles or so of the Millennium Way after it was opened. Along the Millennium Way, starting from Sky Hill in Ramsey, all the way down as far as I got to Crosby, at little intervals there were signposts saying Millennium Way with a, a pointer. And one would be walking in moorland up in the north of the island, miles from anywhere, through bogs and this sort of thing, and suddenly one would come across a signpost and you found you were on the right track or you found you weren't on the right track and you had to turn a bit to one way or the other. Well, I was asked to say what Jesus Christ means to me. Well, he means a lot of things, obviously. But one of the most important things Jesus Christ means to me, he's like one of the signposts on the Millennium Way. He gives my life direction. Times in my life I'm wandering along, perhaps between Snowfell and Pennypot, wondering exactly where the path is to go, and suddenly I stumble across a signpost that says, Millennium Way, that way. God's way, that way. And I want to share with you tonight one time when I was walking along and I suddenly found a sign pointing not in a direction I expected. Four years ago, I was 
a solicitor in London, I suppose you could say that the world was my oyster. And one morning, I remember it vividly because I was in bed with flu, I got a telephone call from someone who said, they're looking for a new clerk of Tinwald in the Isle of Man. They want a lawyer. Why don't you apply? My first reaction was, well, I'm far too young, far too inexperienced. I wouldn't know where to start. It's daft for me to apply. Well, I did. And somehow the idea from being rather, rather rum idea, really, it became rather an attractive idea. But I was still pretty realistic about my chances. But as the idea got more and more attractive in my mind, I began to find that I got more unsettled. I'd been living in London. I'd been spending all my spare time doing up a, a derelict house. Seems to be my lot to do up derelict houses. <laughs> and we'd just got it finished, just starting to enjoy living in, living in it again and doing all the things that we said we'd do when we'd finished the house. And I was pretty unsettled. I thought, well, what on earth am I going to do? I would, I'd quite like that job, but... And then I realized that it wasn't up to me to worry about it, because I wasn't in charge of the direction of my life. As a Christian, God had taken over that. God was in charge of my life. I might not have been behaving as if he was, probably still don't a lot of the time. But I realized that God knew which way I was supposed to go there. And so I said, well, I'm feeling unsettled because I don't know which way I've got to go. If you want me to go to the Isle of Man, you make it absolutely clear to me. And although, obviously, it was a bit funny not knowing exactly where I'd be in a few months' time, I found myself pretty amazed to have got an interview for that job. And before the interview, there's someone living in the Isle of Man, I, I don't expect he's here tonight, but if you asked him what frame of mind I was in before then, he'll tell you that I didn't have really a care in the world, that I was nice and relaxed. You wouldn't have thought I was going to an interview. Well. God made it pretty clear what he wanted me to do. Because God had shown me which direction to go. And I don't know why God wanted me to come to the Isle of Man. I don't need to know. Perhaps it was to stand up before you all tonight and say, I am a Christian. God has control of my life and the direction it goes. I remember a story of that my father used to tell of my great-grandfather, who when he married my great-grandmother was asked to write his name in the family Bible. And he said, no, I don't want to write my name in the family Bible because I want to re be remembered not for who I was, but for what I was. I want to be remembered as a follower of Jesus Christ and nothing more.
Former clerk of Tinwald, Robert Quayle, talking in 1979 there about his faith at the conclusion of the Mission to Man event organised by the island's churches of all denominations in the spring of millennium year 1979. There'll be much more about the events of that year in perspective with Phil Gorn here on Manx Radio, live at 12 noon today or available as a podcast via our website or your usual podcast provider. And now it's time to take a look at our notice board and once again there's lots happening. Let's start with a flower festival in Kirkchrist, Russian Parish Church. It began on Friday and it'll be open every day up to and including the 13th of July. The church is open each day from 10am to 6pm with refreshments served each day from 10 until 4. Admission is free and all the displays have been made by local community groups and they're all based on a general theme of music. Well worth taking a look. There's no morning service in Selby Methodist Church today. Instead, the Salvation Army will be in concert there this afternoon at half past two and everyone will be warmly welcomed to share in an afternoon of uplifting brass band music and song. Admission is £7.50, including tea and cakes. Later today, it's the Southern 100 annual ride-out and church service at Kirk Maloo, Maloo Parish Church. This afternoon, there'll be a memorial ride-out from the club headquarters on Castletown Bypass, following two laps of the course to the church, where there'll be a short service at three o'clock. Music for the service is to be provided by Castletown Metropolitan Silver Band. This evening, there's a warm welcome to the cool Methodist Sunday School anniversary. The special service this evening at half past six will be led by Reverend Joe Smart, with special items by the children and refreshments to follow the service. Moving on now to the week ahead, the season of summer concerts continues this week in St Thomas's Church here in Douglas, just off the promenade near the Gaiety Theatre. You're invited to an hour of popular music each Wednesday evening and this Wednesday the music will be provided by the Government Staff Choir conducted by Dr Mandy Griffin. The concert starts at quarter to eight and whilst admission and light refreshments are free, a donation to the collection as you leave would be much appreciated. Also this Wednesday evening, there's another Summer Songs of Praise in the beautiful setting of St Adamnan's, Lonnon Old Church. It'll be led by Reverend Dr Janet Corlett, Chair and Superintendent of the Isle of Man District of the Methodist Church. The organist is Julie Brew and there'll be soloists from Olivia Landall's Sing Up Music School. And the service starts at half past seven this Wednesday evening with a warm welcome for everybody. There's a concert every Thursday evening in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin, starting at a quarter to eight, with refreshments in the church hall after the concert. And the music this week is provided by Onken Silver Band. And whilst admission is free, a donation to the collection as you leave would be most helpful. Looking now to next weekend, next Saturday the 15th, 
Colby Branch of the Royal British Legion are holding their summer event at Colby Methodist Chapel Hall. Open from 11am to 4pm with stalls, games, raffle and refreshments. And in the Colby Chapel itself, there's an exhibition of local artist work from the chapel and village. Entry to this is by donation. And next Sunday the 16th, the Friends of Onkens Heritage have their annual service at Abbeylands Chapel, starting at 3 o'clock. The service will be led jointly by Reverend Steve Ingrawal and Monsignor John Devine. There's a warm welcome for all and there will, of course, be refreshments served afterwards. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back tonight at nine o'clock, ready to open the door to our virtual late lounge and welcome you to sundown. A mix of easy listening music, your requests and dedications and a bit of nostalgia to round off your day. I'd love you to join me if you can. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and happy week and a very good morning. The Nation Station